we all have the same choice and that's whether we can let that outside noise affect us or drive us in my whole life i just used to use all that negative energy and turn it into a positive use it as jet fuel for me to just keep getting fired up right like biggest motivational speech you can tell me is you can't Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am beyond thrilled to share today's guest with you. Nick Santanastazzo is constantly defying the odds. Despite being born with no legs and one arm, he has become a bodybuilder, internationally renowned public speaker, and an internet sensation. I'm going to intentionally leave out some of the details of his backstory so that he can share that with you. Nick is using his challenges to inspire others to push beyond their suffering and live a life that has no limits. He's already helped inspire giants in today's world, such as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Tony Robbins, and Ed Milet. Nick, welcome to the show. I can't wait to talk to you today. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm excited to have some good conversation here. Yes, absolutely. So, Nick, I, I alluded to the fact uh, early on as I read your, your bio there that you were, were born with some physical limitations. Talk to us about the, the genetic disorder you have, how rare it is, and let's just start there and talk about what it was like for you growing up. Yeah, so it was um, my mom's last pregnancy. So my mom had three kids, three kids. This was her fourth. And so, you know, they went in for a couple ultrasounds. Everything was fine. And then they went in for a late ultrasound. And, you know, they did pulled up the baby on the screen and something something was wrong. And they said, you know, that my, my limbs weren't being fully developed and I might have a cleft palate. And they were just naming, you know, a bunch of these things going on. Um, but what they sooner, you know, classified me with was Hanhart syndrome. And what Hanhart syndrome is, is a super rare genetic disorder that either leaves the babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. And so at the time of my birth in 1996, I was the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen it happen to. And out of the 12, eight of them have passed away due to undeveloped organs. So the majority of the time, the babies are born and they can't breathe on their own, they can't eat on their own, and they later on, you know, pass away. And so, you know, upon being born, they gave me about a 30% chance to live. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the syndrome. So, you know, my parents focused on that 30%, not the 70, because, you know, focusing on the negative will never empower you. It'll never elevate you. And so my parents were only focusing on the good. And so what happened was they, uh, my mom had a C-section. I was born and they immediately did tests on my organs and my organs came back 100% healthy. The only thing that was affected were my limbs. And so, like you said, I was born with no legs, one arm and, um, you know, one hand with one finger. You mentioned that this is a rare disorder, and and I'm sitting here thinking about this. Like, you know, there are literally 12 people that have been diagnosed with this, and, and eight have passed away. So that alone makes makes you a, a medical miracle. And I, I also want to talk more. You said your parents were focused on the positive and not the negative. Talk to us about how your parents really were instrumental in helping you w- when you were young. 
Yeah, you know, I always said my parents are the super superheroes. I'm just the offspring. And um, so they they helped cultivate my mindset. And so basically from the earliest of ages, you know, they sat me down and said, you know, Nick, things aren't going to stop. The world's not going to stop for you because you're born like this. You know, you still got to figure out how to do things. And so they were just, the, the one thing that they did the best was treat me like the other three. And so what I mean by that is they would put my clothes in front of me and, you know, say, figure it out and sit with me while I tried to figure out my clothes or put me in my high chair and, you know, put food in front of me and say, you know, figure it out. And I think that was my advantage. I think that was one of my superpowers growing up is that I exercised the muscle of being able to adapt. I exercised the muscle of being able to pivot. I, I, I accepted the fact that everything was going to be hard. And so, you know, by my parents putting these challenges, challenges and tribulations in front of me, it got my mindset in the rhythm of, you know, it's not camp, but how. And that was like, that's like a big mental shift that I feel like everyone needs to have is just like going into everything with and how rather than camp because, um, you know, my, my mentor and my friend, Jeff Hoffman, he always talks about how, you know, the majority of not only entrepreneurs, but human beings, we start with no, we start with can't, we start with like all the reasons why we can't do things. And so, you know, my, my parents just instilled and helped me exercise that muscle of realizing things aren't going to be, you know, all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, if you want something, you're going to have to fall on your face a couple of times before you get it. So it sounds like growing up that mindset was there for you. It was kind of ingrained into you. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, even now, I, I feel like the majority of kids, you know, when things get hard, they just throw in the towel. And the reason why I think that is happening is because they aren't exercising the muscle or the parents aren't, aren't putting them in the particular situation for them to exercise that muscle. And so I feel like parents are coddling their kids more than they should. And, you know, kids just don't kind of don't know the, the feeling of working for something and falling in your face and getting back up. And so, like I said, I think that was my super, my superpower. My advantage is just I, like I knew things were going to be hard and like things are a lot easier when like, believe it or not, things are a lot easier when you know they're going to be hard rather than thinking you're going to go in and crush something. And so I think it was I, like, I just, I just picture it as a muscle. There's a lot of muscles we need to exercise in life. And that was one of the main muscles that, you know, helped me was my ability to pivot, my ability to say, okay, this isn't working. What's next? How am, how am I going to get past this wall? How am I going to break through this, break through this barrier? Was there ever a point for you in adolescence when it felt like that wall was too great to break through where you felt like you couldn't do it? There was a particular situation. I was probably 13 or 14 and this was when I was going to get prosthetics, prosthetic legs. So, you know, I'd be in the car and I'd see kids riding their bike and I'm like, you know, why, why can't I ride a bike like those kids? You know, like I would say, I would ask my parents this and for anyone that doesn't know anything about prosthetics. So with legs, the, the amount of quad you have dictates how difficult it's going to be for you, be, for you to be able to operate prosthetics. And so with me, I don't have much quad. I do have quad, but I don't have much. So it's going to be pretty difficult. We found um, a certain company that was able to fit me for legs. And they started me off in like little stilts. Like, so they didn't have knees. They were just like, kind of like stilts. And I, I would walk with them and practice and um, strengthen like my, my quads and everything. And then they finally put me in these bigger legs, which were seven and a half pounds each. And they had, you know, a knee that like went off the way you distributed weight, like super crazy technology. Um, but it was a wall for me because like, I didn't realize how much of your body goes into you just like standing upright and walking. Like, for example, like, your, your lower back, your abs, your obliques, like all these things are keeping you up, you know, upright and being able to stand on your legs. And so when you guys are born with legs and you're running around as a kid, your whole, you know, your whole life, you're, 
you're developing your obliques, you're developing your abs, you're developing your lower back, all these things that help you stand upright. And I didn't have that. And so this was like a big block for me. I was like, I, I suck at walking in these legs. Like I, I can't walk in these legs. Like I would walk in a walker and I didn't want to walk in a walker. Like I wanted to walk, I wanted to run, you know, like, you know me, I wanted to run. And so it was like the first thing physically, I was like, man, like I can't do this. And I didn't know why at the time, like being a 13, 14 out of, out of shape kid, I didn't realize that it was, I just wasn't in shape. Right. I just thought it was like, oh man, I can't do this. So that was, that was one of the, the bigger physical blocks for me, for sure. And as you moved through high school and you, you started you know, getting the, the prosthetics and such, uh, I understand wrestling was something that was really huge for you that, that helped you in a lot of ways. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So middle school, going from, from middle school to high school, I was at a low point in my life. Um, you know, I, I realized how different I was. You know, I realized, you know, some teasing. I realized just maybe the girls weren't paying as much attention to me as, you know, the other guys. I thought it was super different. And I realized I was different. I realized, you know, there was someone pushing me in a chair. Um, and just, you know, I felt out of place. I felt uh, uncomfortable in my skin. I didn't feel confident. I was out of shape and just very low point in my life. And I needed to find something that was going to help me dig, you know, help dig myself out of this hole. And so my freshman year, I, my best friend who were still best friends to this day, Dan, he, he wrestled his whole entire life, but he decided to be a bowler his freshman year. I'm not sure why. And, um, so he, he was like, bro, you can bowl, you know, it's pretty easy. All you got to do is roll the ball down the lane. You get to eat cheese fries when you come back. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm in. And so my freshman year, we, we did bowling and, you know, it was our, it was all right. And I realized that I wanted something that would push me, you know, physically. I wanted something much more, much more than bowling. And so my sophomore year, you know, my, my older brother, who's about six years older than me, he, he went to that same exact high school. He wrestled his whole entire life. I always like supported him, always looked up the wrestlers. And so um, I wanted to be a wrestler and all my best friends were wrestlers. You know, Dan went back to wrestling his sophomore year for the rest of high school. So, you know, I marinated on, on the thought that, you know, if I could become a wrestler, that I thought they were the coolest thing ever. This would make me feel better about myself. I'd be with my friends more. I'd be, you know, labeled just an athlete itself. That would make me feel good. But at the time, this, this arm was about five inches longer than it is now. And my bone was growing faster than my skin. So it was like your finger, but it was super sensitive and I couldn't really touch it on things. Because um, if I would have hit my arm hard enough, my bone would have came through my skin. Hmm. And so... You know, I, I, I marinated on this thought, like I said, and I knew it had the ability to pivot me, you know, like this could to totally turn around and elevate myself out of this dark place I'm in a, and I want to do it. And so I came home one day and I waited for both my parents to come home and, you know, I said, mom and dad, you know, I want to be a wrestler. And my, my parents supported me in everything and anything, you know, like throwing me on a skateboard at an early age, like throwing me on, throwing me, you know, all these challenges, all these curveballs, like they were just big supporters of it. Um, but this was a little bit different. My mom was like, you know, Nick, wrestling is the most physical physical sport. You know, God forbid you hit your arm and your bone comes to your skin. You know, what are you going to do then? And so I, I asked them, I was like, you know, can can we do something about it? Can we can we can we amputate it? And um, can we cut it off? And they were like, you know, is this something that you really want to do? And I was like, yeah. I mean, it has the ability to, you know, pivot me. It has the ability has the ability to dig me out of these dark holes. This is something that I would really want to do. And that's what I always tell people, like whatever you're focusing your energy on, whether that's becoming a better father, a better husband, a better businessman, a better leader, like you need to focus like all your energy on that or you're like selling yourself short. You're like, you're, you're not all in, like you're going to fail. And so um, they, they, they accepted my proposal. They accepted my proposal. My sophomore year, we scheduled the amputation. And what they did was they, 
they um did uh they lasered five inches of the bone off, which I didn't know they could do. That's pretty cool. So they lasered five inches of my bone off, and then they did a skin graft. So they pulled extra skin from up on my shoulder over my bone, so I can have a padding, so I can beat it up. And so this way, like I'm able to you know beat people over the head with it and be physical with it rather than you know it coming through my skin. And so I finished the surgery and everything went well. I had like had I don't know if you can see it, but I had some scars here. I had like seven like a couple probably like 17 stitches in my arm. And um, I, I always say I was the happiest kid that just cut his arm off. I went back <laughs> and just like, dude, like, what'd you do? And I'm like, you know, I cut my arm off. They're like, why? And I'm like, I'm going to become a wrestler. You know, I want to become a wrestler. And, you know, people, people weren't sure about it. You know, they were like, well, Nick, well, what do you mean? You have, you have no legs and one arm. Like, you know, how you can become a wrestler? Let's be real. And that, that's like the outside noise. I always, I label that as the outside noise. We're, we all, we all have it, right? We all have people that are going to hate people that say our goals are too big, that we're not good enough, pretty enough. But we also have the same choice. We all have the same choice. And that's whether we can let that outside noise affect us or drive us. In my whole life, I just used to use all that negative energy and turn it into a positive, use it as jet fuel for me to just keep getting fired up, right? Like biggest motivational speech you can tell me is you can't. And, and I love that. It, it sounds like the decision... Your sophomore year, I mean, you, you you refer to it as a proposal, which is wild. Like you went to your parents and you're like, I'm going to chop my arm off. Uh, but it, you know, you mentioned that prior to that, you know, the kids were teasing you were in kind of a dark spot. It sounds like that was really the the pivotal moment for you that that started changing things. Is that is that on point? Yeah, man. I just i I wanted to feel better in my skin. You know, like I realized that we only have one body. We only have one chance at this life, whatever you think this is. Like, I have no idea what life is, but like, we only have one shot. So like, I can either live a sad life and put a mask on and pretend I'm happy or I can go out and, you know, live a good life, you know, try to do things that fulfill me, try to do things that make me happy, try to do things that make me feel good. And so, yeah, I mean, being at that low point, maybe it was a bunch of things, to be honest, maybe... Maybe it was the fact that girls didn't talk to me much that I wanted to be labeled as an athlete, that I wanted to be in shape, that I wanted to look good with my shirt off, that I wanted to be cool. Like it, made, it was a bunch of things, right? Like middle school and high school are the most judgmental times of our lives. And so, you know, we just want to fit in. And I was the furthest, I felt like I was the furthest thing from fitting in. So I wanted to go ahead and, you know, do sports. I wanted to be with my friends more. I wanted to be labeled as an athlete and look good with my shirt off. Like, you know, just... It's like, I think every, every teenager does. We just, we just want to fit in. We want to feel good. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. Since high school, you've you've written a book, and you're you're now an international sensation. Uh, I know you were on The Walking Dead in a cameo, and I, I I don't know which episode, so we'll have to talk about that. But let's let's chat about when did you make the decision? When did it dawn on you that your experiences could help others and impact so many people? 
Yeah, so that happened during wrestling. And so my senior year, I was able to obtain the 106-pound varsity spot for my high school. So I was the varsity wrestler, and that was a big, like, instill in my confidence, right? Um, but my my junior year, I was, like, 1-20, in 20, and my only win was a forfeit. And then my senior year, I was 2-17 in 17 varsity, but that was two more wins I got the previous year, and that's winning. That's progress. And so, but I'm a very competitive person still to this day. And I didn't understand why there was gymnasiums packed to watch me wrestle. And I didn't understand why people still gave me standing ovations when I lost. I'm like, why are you clapping for me? Like I just got my butt kicked. And I came off the mat one time and this lady came up to me and she was, you know, teary eyed and she got down on my level and she said, Nick, I, I want to thank you. And I was like, lady, did you see that performance? Like I, I just got my butt kicked. And she said, well, my, my daughter's over there on the bleachers and she's, she's shy. You know, she, she doesn't really do any sports, but she saw you out there wrestling and she asked me to try these activities. She asked me to try some new sports. You, you did something, you motivated her. You, you broke that, that barrier in her mind. You did something, you shifted her perspective. You did something that I couldn't do as a parent. I want to thank you. And that was like my quantum moment. Like I, because I was on the mat for myself, you know, when I really like analyzed the situation, I was on the mat trying to dig myself out of a hole. I wasn't there for anyone else. I was focused on me. And um, when I realized that I was impacting people just by living my life to the fullest, by trying things, and I was changing lives passively, I, well, that's when I thought like, well, how, how many people can we change if I focus my energy on that? How many lives, how many perspectives can we shift if I focus my energy on helping people? And, and maybe I was onto something. And so I also realized in that moment that, you know, the things that I thought were negative about me, the things that I thought were most disgusting, you know, the things that I thought everyone didn't like about me were turned out to be my biggest tools of influence, my biggest, you know, superpowers, so to say. And so it's just crazy. Like when you reflect on it, it's just perspective. Life is, life is all about perspective and, and the, the lens you look at it. And so when I started realizing that everything's happening for me rather than to me, you know, and that the situation was, you know, a gift, the situation was, you know, a calling, it was my calling, then, you know, your whole life changes. You're the second person in three hours to use the expression life happening for me instead of to me. And so I, I think that's so important. And and talk to us about so you've made that switch. Like that light bulb went off on your head. And you know, you helped that child in the bleachers shift her perspective. And yet that shifted yours at the same time because you were doing this for you. And then in that moment you realized you could be doing this for others. So I, I want to spend some time talking about your book, which recently was released on on Amazon, and we'll have links to your book uh, in the show notes and on the Daily Helping app. Talk to us about the book itself and take us into a deep dive as to what the reader is going to get out of that. Yeah. So first and foremost, the book, um, it's called Victim to Victor, How to Overcome the Victim Mentality to Live the Life You Love. And so basically, it's 15 personal stories of mine. And then the lessons from those stories and how the reader can immediately apply that. And, you know, I didn't want people to just read a book and, you know, be done with it. So strategically, after every chapter, there are certain questions that, that you know, really hit home and allow you to dive in, dive in and self-reflect and work on yourself. Um, and so it's a, it's a good tool for you to use, you know, hold your kids accountable. Your kids can, you know, do the, do the questions and you guys can share answers. It's just a good way to instill good habits in, in people, not only, you know, parents, but kids. And so, but the reason why this book is so important and, and, you know, I feel like it's one of my callings the niche, like the niche or niche is, um, that nowadays, you know, people, parents, parents are having a hard time instilling or cultivating the mindsets of kids. And that could be from 
you know, a bunch of reasons, their, their environment, the things that they're seeing, the, the screen, you know, the, the technology, like parents are less present with their kids. They don't even know how to connect. They don't even know how to look in their eyes and, you know, have a conversation because their kid's too tied to the screen or maybe the parent's too tied to the screen. And so, you know, my job or, or you know, my goal is to shift the parents' mindsets so they can, you know, instill these things into their kids through their words and through their actions, but, but catch the kids and cultivate the kids' mindsets while they're young and they're not primed. In order to, they're not too primed, you know, through their environment or through their parents or whatever they're doing because, you know, parents, like their job when they have kids is they are literally cultivating the mindset. They're cultivating the mindset of kids through their words, through their actions, how they react to situations. And so if I can show you know, parents how to react to situations when you're in front of your kids. And I can show kids how to reframe things and, and realize that you, 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 you don't lose. You only, you only win or learn. Like Nelson Mandela says, like these things, like we need to instill perspective into these kids at an early age because then they could see things from a totally different lens. And so that's why it's so important. And it fires me up is because I was that kid that like, wish I had a little bit perspective. Like, it's funny to say like being born with no legs and one arm, like, maybe I should have a different perspective, but they're, they're, we all have low points. We all battle with the same things internally, right? And that's our mindset. So if I can catch these kids, you know, when they're in their most, you know, receptive time of their life, you know, that's, that's big. I mean, real quick, real quick, suicide rate, it's skyrocketing. Suicide rate skyrocketing. Mental illness is skyrocketing. I just read about a nine-year-old kid who was smart enough to tie a noose and hang himself. Hmm. Think about that. Like what? You know, like kids are getting bullied through internet. Kids are getting bullied in school. Kids don't feel like they're good enough. They don't feel like they're pretty enough. I was that kid. So if I can help those kids, that, that's, that's sick, right? That's awesome. Like, that's like super cool. Like we can catch them before things happen. We can lower that suicide rate. I love that. I love everything you just said. It resonates so strongly with me and I'm sure everybody listening to this. I wonder, you, you said that this book is a collection of your stories and, I, and you said it's 12 stories with, actionable strategies after each one. Could you take us through one of those stories? I know we don't have time to go through a ton of them, but just pick one that you think would be a, a good one to talk about and, and let's walk through it. Yeah. So I think the the power of reframing. And so you can either call it reframing or the meaning you attach behind things. And so one of my favorite stories to tell is it's called the plane story. And so basically a couple months ago, I had the opportunity to work a UFC event in Madison Square Garden. So I got to interview the fighters, got to interview the celebrities, and let's just say Nick was feeling like the man. And so like, you know, my confidence is way higher than, you know, I'll ever be. And I felt like I could just run through a wall and I was traveling alone. And so I'm coming off this high of an event, right? I just feel great. And it's time for me to travel alone. And with flights, you have first come, first serve or, or assigned seating. And so this flight was, you know, first come, first serve. And so I roll up in a wheelchair and so I get to skip the line. And so I skip the line and, you know, I'm the first one and I sit in the first seat of the plane. I sit, it's a three-seater row and I sit, sit next to the window. So there's two seats next to me so other people can have the best seats in the plane. And the flight attendant says, you know, this is going to be a full flight. And I said, yeah, that's fine. You know, I already got, I already got my seat. And so the plane starts filling in and, you know, People are looking at me and then, you know, looking away or, you know, whispering to their, to whoever on the plane with, and people are passing by and every seat's getting filled up except the seats next to me. And so no one wants to sit next to me. And it, and it, this brought me like, because humans were the only, we're the only species that could think a thought and make ourselves happy and think a thought and make ourselves super dark, you know, super upset. And so this plane's starting to fill in and no one wants to sit next to me. And it brought me back to that moment in middle school and high school when I felt just so disgusting, right? When it's what felt so just uncomfortable in my skin and that, 
you know, that these, these physical differences were so bad that these people didn't want to sit next to me. And so, you know, the planes start filling in and filling in. And finally, two gentlemen have to sit down and I'm looking out the window and I'm crying. I'm trying not to let these people know I'm crying. And, you know, I said to myself, I said, you know, Nick, what would you tell the kids? You know, what would you tell the kids you speak to? What would you tell the adults? You know, practice what you preach. What would you tell them in this situation? What's the lesson? You know, how are you going to apply it? And I realized that it's the meaning I attach behind this, you know, because life gives us plain energy. We're floating around in plain energy and we are the dictators, whether an event is negative or positive, it's the meaning we attach behind things. And so in that moment, I realized that I can cry all the way home. I can let this affect my day, my week, my month, or Nick could celebrate the fact that he has the most legroom in this plane. And so like in a snap of a finger, you take a situation that was disempowering, you put a disempowering meaning behind it, and then you put an empowering meaning behind it. And you take Nick, who went from crying to celebrating the fact that he has the most legroom in the plane, and you ask yourself, what's it going to be? Like each and every event in your life, like even in your life in general, are you going to be the victim of a situation? Or are you going to be the victor? It just, it just depends on what meaning you attach behind it and what you take from it. And that's the same thing with, with you know, we can even do self-reflection of events in our past, like going back to the happening for me and not to me, like every event in our life, there's always one good piece of information that we can pull from that event. And when I quoted Nelson Mandela, and what I meant was he says, I don't lose. I only win or learn. And so every situation in life, you either win or you pull a piece of knowledge, you pull a different perspective, you pull a different way of going about things. And you take that loss and you turn it to a W because you realize that like, I learned from it. I grew from it. I, I took something and benefited from that situation. It is no longer loss. It's interesting. You know, language is so powerful in terminology as well. So in the, in the realm of clinical psychology, what you've described, the, the words we use for that is cognitive reframing and that you're actually taking a thought and you're shifting the perspective. And I, I love the story because it's, and thank you for be, being vulnerable and sharing that because that's, that's a heavy story. So this is great. So you've got the book. The book is out there. And I know that you're traveling the world and you're speaking and you're helping kids and you're, you're doing all these things. What's next on the horizon for Nick? Yeah, next on the horizon for Nick right now, um, you know, while we were traveling the world, we were also filming a, a mindset program. And so this is a way because I can't be everywhere all the time. And the one thing I've realized when I speak all around the world is, you know, not only parents want me to coach them for a mindset, but like, can you talk to my kids? Can you send my kids a message? I wish my kids could hear this. And so basically, I went, we went all around the world and we filmed this, you know, mindset program, um, basically painting the pictures, doing crazy things like swimming with sharks, climbing mountains, like you name it. I wanted to paint the picture for people and, and, and then give them the lesson and how they can apply it. And so that can be, that, that's going to be, you know, it's finalized, but we're figuring out our marketing plan and, and how we're going to release it. And because if I want to release it, I want to release it the right way. So that's going to be super cool for us. Um, and then, like I said, in December, we're touring China. And so that is, that is awesome because I feel like, you know, the way that, chi- um, you know, China looks at disabled kids or disabled people and the, and the way they parent their kids, um, I think they could use some perspective and they can use some of my tips and tricks. And so they're going to be translating my book in Chinese. Um, but also, man, just, just doing, you know, doing as, as many things as, as, as I love to do, you know, my whole thing is like, why not? Like, why can't I do that? Like, wh- why can't I be a rapper? Why can't I be a DJ? Why can't I be a dancer? Why can't I do this? Like, I want to do everything. And so as long as I'm, you know, bringing a positive message behind any industry I'm, I'm coming into, then, you know, that's a win for me. So, you know, with the modeling, we just broke into the modeling industry and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, 
shatter, shatter the definition of beauty because, you know, modeling is so self-conscious and you have to be a certain way and look a certain way. And I just want to show people that, you know, being your authentic self is the sexiest thing you could be and the most attractive thing you could be. And then, you know, I, I want to sing, I want to rap, I want to, I want to bring good energy through all these different industries, you know, like I just want to do everything. And so for the horizon for me is, you know, taking over the speaking industry, um, you know, helping, helping parents, helping parents connect with their kids more, you know, helping people in general, you know, suicide awareness, bullying, mindset, business, you name it. I want, I want to do it all. You've got a lot on your plate and it's all noble, fantastic stuff. So I, I, I think it's amazing. Uh, we, are, we are so close to time here. And I, I want to thank you again for coming on to the show. As you know, Nick, everybody who comes on my show, I ask them a single question. And that is, could you share with us your biggest helping. And that is the single most important piece of information you want somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today. I'm going to say something that just feels, feels right for the situation that I'm in. And um, I think people need to do more things that they love. I think they need to do more things that make them feel good. And, and you know, realizing, you know, Tony Robbins says success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. You can have all the money in the world, but if you aren't doing that, something that fulfills you and makes you feel good, there will always be that emptiness. And so even now as a 22-year-old entrepreneur that is still chasing financial freedom, I don't, I don't have financial freedom yet. I'm chasing this, you know, even something that I don't know how it feels to be on the other side of the fence. I also need to realize like, you know, having a house or having a car or having, you know, more money in my bank account is, is not going to make me overall happy. And, you know, I have more freedom to do things, but to always just do things that make you feel good. And you know, to realize that life life is all about perspective. And the more perspective you can gain, you know, the the more simple, the more easy your life is. You know, even for example, like, you know, living in Tampa, I've, I lived in Tampa for, you know, a year and a half. I used to live in Jersey. And so from me moving to Jersey and living in Tampa, I've never seen, you know, more homeless people around. You know, it just wasn't the thing where I'm from. And so like, you know, on these, on these low days, I could just be like, man, like you have nothing to complain about because once we realize that perspective is everything, and we gain so much perspective on so many different things, we realize that the things that we complain about on a day-to-day basis and the things we think are problems and challenges in the grand scheme of life, they aren't problems or challenges. They're just things that we, you know, stress about and make up. And, you know, lastly, if, if just at least one time a day, you know, every human being, you know, kind of reflected on the thought that we're on a rock and it's floating around in the middle of like a universe and we don't know what it is, like the fact that we're alive right now and the fact that we're humans, like, we should just enjoy the ride because we have no idea what this is. And we just got to be super grateful that we're able to be a human because we have no idea what it is. Perspective and gratitude. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. for sure. Nick, where can people find you? Yeah, so on uh, all my social medias, it's Nick Santanastasso, but it's easier, you know, if you type in Nick, S-A-N-T-O, I'm the guy with the really long last name. And, you know, the website, if you want to find more on my speaking, coaching, website, all that, is booknicksanto.com. So it's B-O-O-K-N-I-C-K-S-A-N-T-O.com. And then, like I said, on all the other social medias, type in Nick Santo and the guy with the really long last name is me. I love it. And and for those of you behind the wheel or at the gym, we got you covered. We'll have links to everything Nick at thedailyhelping.com, including his book, From Victor to Victim, and in the Daily Helping app. Nick, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. It was an absolute uh, treat and honor to have you on. You got it, brother. Thank you so much. I'm, like I said, grateful for the opportunity. And uh, I want to thank all of you as well who tuned into this episode. I'm grateful for you as well. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review because this is what helps 
others find the podcast. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else. Even if you don't know who they are and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 